Welcome back, horror fans, to the Week in Horror podcast. This week, we're covering August 23rd through August 29th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am JL, and with me as always are Eugene and Alex. What's up, everybody? What's happening, guys? All right, all right. We are, damn, we are closing out August. This month <laughs> is going too fucking fast. It really is. <laughs> God dang, it's, I don't know where the time goes. Maybe it's just because I, I finally have so, oh, I think we all have so much shit going on. That you know, I'm doing the stuff with uh, with all the YouTube creators, doing the stuff with Johnny O from the Plot Hole. I'm debating all over the place and doing Weekend Horror. Eugene, you got uh, a movie coming? You know, you got a movie that you're that you're prepping for, or a series? Is it or is it? Uh, it's actually it's a t- it's a TV series, and so uh, just just a l- just a little bit of talks on it. So stuff that we've been working on and putting together and uh, finalizing some stuff. But yeah, it's actually t- a TV series that we are planning on selling to Netflix, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Nice. <laughs> very, very cool. Yes, fingers crossed for that. So, damn, uh, you go on the Netflix route. We also got something that we're trying to put together for this winter. And Alex, you're Alex, right? <laughs> hey, I've I've acquired <laughs> I've acquired some new family members and a bunch of new work. So I'm just as busy as all y'all. I have no doubt. I have no <laughs> doubt with your uh, with your fiance moving down here from, to Texas. Yeah, I went from and the, I went from being you know a single dad for half the week and single by myself for half the week, and then to to five people in the house like all the time. So, uh, full time family, full time family, and work's picking there back up go. finally. So, yeah, it's nonstop. It is wild, now, and of course, everybody out there knows that we are screaming towards our season finale. I'm so happy I've got all the I've got all the giveaway items here in the office as we speak, and they all look super, super fucking cool. I know mm-hmm. Jessica G out there was like, "I can't wait for the for the goddamn <laughs> season finale." Because we haven't announced what we're going to talk about. We haven't announced what we're giving away. So it's all going to be a huge surprise. Um, but it's going to be a blast. I have some, it's, it's some really, really blast. cool shit. Oh yes, <laughs> it's gonna be seriously. It's gonna be seriously sick. I cannot wait, and uh, I'm a little nervous about you know all the technology and you know, going live because we we we've we've got some of the stuff down. I just want to make sure it goes off flawless because I have said this. I have probably jinxed us, so I am, I don't know. I, <laughs> You're putting a negative connotation. Yeah, you got You have to be positive <laughs> at this point. You can't expect like YouTube to crash as soon as we go live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's positive mental attitude, positive mental attitude. But I think it's going to be sweet. Uh, whether or not we have some hiccups, I know it's going to be awesome. Yeah, whatever. It'll be a good time um, either way. Oh, man. I also want to give a shout-out. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I recently came across uh, an artist who does alternative movie posters. His name is Colm, and he runs the Creepy Duck Design website. It's creepyduckdesign.com. Creepy Duck isn't quack quack creepy duck design.com <laughs> he has got some seriously epic shit on that site amazing stuff if you guys if you get an opportunity go check out his work unfortunately he does not sell prints as we speak but he does do custom jobs for your movie or your short film or for what for whatever he will uh he does do freelance artwork and you can see his his friggin portfolio is amazing i am in love with uh the alternative poster he did for cujo but he's done all kinds of stuff not just horror 
all kinds of movies, and they all look <laughs> the scream one was am- pretty fucking cool too. <laughs> what, what, okay, yeah. If you if you're online, Eugene, did you see it? The uh, the screen where the road is going into the oh the yeah, because it has a, kind of like a smoky haze yeah. or like fog or something. like Yes, that in front and of it was up yeah. at the top. It was like welcome up. Up at the top it was like welcome home, Sydney. Like that's in, that's incredible. <laughs> yes, that is that guy. Yeah, no. There's a, there's a lot of cool ones like the Kill Bill and even like the uh, uh, mother. That was a good one too. Yeah, he does incredible freaking work and. Um, everybody needs to be checking him out because as soon as he is able to start selling prints or whatever he's doing like that, people definitely get on that. And if you do need artwork done for your web series, for your movie, for your short film, for whatever, if you need a one sheet done, this is the guy to go to. I don't know his prices. I think it's negotiable depending upon the level of work that he does. Um, but I have talked to him briefly because I was like, I want to buy that Cujo poster i want to buy it from you like straight up i want it in my studio and he was just like uh i don't really sell them now but maybe in the future it was like <laughs> i will i will keep an eye on that just let me know <laughs> <laughs> so but he's a really really cool guy a uh, really awesome artist he's getting a he said his life is kind of turned upside down because of all the the rush he's gotten from that scream five poster that people have seen online. Yeah. So he's just, he's like, he's never blown up like that or gone viral. So he's like, oh, it's insane. I'm getting all these, all this shit. You know, people are emailing me and calling me. It's like, how are they getting my number? I have no idea. But he's a really, really cool dude. Definitely go creepyduckdesign.com and check out his work there. Definitely, you can throw likes on the images that you love. You can shoot him a message supporting him. Um, all definitely really cool stuff. And if you need to, if you need to hire an artist, He's definitely one to look at, so I wanted to give him a quick shout out because he that dude was cool as shit. Yeah, because that the, these these posters oh. are amazing. Like I like, hey, yeah, definitely do a shout out to see maybe if you can do some poster designs from some of the stuff that I have coming up. There you, hey, there you go. Definitely <laughs> talking about a Netflix fucking TV series. I think he could do something really cool for. Oh, I think project. so too. So I'll I'll don't have to give um, email him. Oh, definitely. So, um, oh, I have his email. Okay, yeah. I'll give it to you. So, uh, but we, you know, as as Alex likes to remind us, we are here to talk about fucking horror movies. <laughs> well, not, not not fucking them, about... but <laughs> I don't know. Not, not fucking in horror movies. <laughs> Although that's always, you know, we know we know what happens to those people, though. Yeah, they, they yeah, yeah. They never make it out. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, Alex, what do we got first? Hey, let's start it out with uh, one that I actually just saw for the first time yesterday, which is cool as hell. Uh, it's called Ghost House. came out the 25th of August, 2017. This movie was directed by Rich Ragsdale, uh, written by Kevin O'Sullivan, Jason Chase Tyrell, uh, starring the Scout Taylor Compton, James Landry, Hebert. I don't even know what nationality that dude is. It's like Swedish or something. Uh, Mark Boone Jr., course and uh a couple of Je- uh, russell jeffrey banks richly gray and uh kevin ragsdale was in this movie i saw when i was doing the research and i think obviously probably related to the director in some way shape or form i didn't really look into it though um this movie was a blast to watch i loved it it was fun it was a um movie about a couple an american couple goes to visit thailand and uh uh Man proposes to woman. They go out to like celebrate. Things happen. They fuck around. They find out about these things called ghost houses, where these spirits are supposed to live peacefully and not haunt people. And of course, they fuck around, touch it, and shit goes south real fucking fast. 
Um, this one, while not gory and, you know, very cliche jump scary, I thought it was really cool. Um, especially some of the, some of the way that they played some of the scenes, uh, in particular, one of my favorite ones was when she was sitting on the bed going through the camera, she was like zooming in and then like it clicks over and she's like looking at herself and I was like, oh fuck, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah this isn't good oh nope nope not that one zoom in a little more there it is now something's gonna come from around the corner and it's in the picture <laughs> that, that's the, that's the way it always I, is whenever it's like a oh let me go let me go through this camera reel let me go ahead and take these okay, pictures okay, here we go. <laughs> like what was it <laughs> i've seen this because these you know these these uh eastern these eastern movies they love their their cam their ghosts on camera so yeah, no, this one, I, this was a lot of fun to watch, and it, it had a lot of, like, real good, like, suspenseful. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, one more part real quick, when when uh, they're they're dealing with the uh, the ghost, and she fucking yeets the ghost through the fucking doorway and just starts laughing, the old, the old lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> she, yes. She just, <laughs> it's like, oh man, how many times have you fucking done this? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I also thought this was a blast to watch, despite you know there was a, a decided lack of gore for what it for what it could be. There was I only but, counted five kills in this whole movie. Yeah, and, including the ghost. Um, the, definitely, there was more. It was definitely more you know visual. It was definitely a visual film, and I really enjoyed the depictions not only of Thailand because this was this the whole film was shot on Thailand, shot in Thailand, but. I really just enjoyed everything they did with it. The cinematography was really, really strong. The colors that they that they utilized, I, I love the feel of being outside because you definitely got the sensation that you were outside of America, and that's always really. Uh, I dig when you whenever you go foreign films or you know you're shooting in foreign land. Too many times, directors or production companies try to make it kind of blend American kind of landscaping with the foreign landscaping so that it doesn't seem so alien. Some people, less the purpose is to uh, reinforce that, and I like that they did that. That we have American actors, um, which pretty much almost everybody except for the locals. So you had uh, Mark Boone Jr., who's you know everybody knows him from uh, from uh, Sons of Anarchy. He's fucking awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, he was amazing. He's great in this he's, movie, he's, yeah. that, he's that he's 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 awesome as the like the the drug dealing sex having expat who's just like fuck America. I'm happy in Thailand. I am good here. <laughs> <laughs> He, he found his whole debauchery and he ain't leaving. Give me a hooker and leave um, me the fuck alone. And I really, really, I really, really dug the the legend of it because after I obviously after I watched the movie, I had to look into it and see ghost houses. I'm very, very curious about this, and they're very much a real thing. Um, and something that's always been kind of close to my heart is when that I've really dug is when foreign legends, things like um, like the Thai, the Thailand or the the Taiwanese or it was Thailand uh, ghost house um, deal, which is it in essence. The houses are built for the dead, and supposedly that's what that's what they the spirits will live until an, until a determinate time, and that's where the spirits are kept safe, so that they don't wander. Because if they don't have a ghost house, they wander the land, they can get lost, and they can never move on to the uh, to the afterlife. So it's it's really really neat. I mean, they're sacred, and you don't fuck with them. And people will put trinkets and various things that were that were uh, sentimental to the dead in order to kind of keep them company and keep them rooted to that one place. And if you fuck with those houses, you not only can incur the wrath of the family, you can incur the wrath of the spirit itself. Or sometimes the guardian spirit of the whole area. You can upset that kind of like, and not really a demigod, but you can upset that. I love legends like that, like very similar to the curse legend that, that the grudge is based off of. 
mm-hmm. or uh, there's the, you know uh, Ringu. Right? Ring was also not not off the videotape, but it was you know a, a curse that passes from people who encounter. I love that that uh, Japanese legend, and whenever they stay true to them and bring when they bring them to American audiences, that's always very very important to me as a horror fan. I like that, despite the fact that sometimes it puts people off. Because as good as Ghost House was, not a lot of people fucking saw it. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know what it is with sometimes with people are kind of turned off on films where it's like Americans will say go overseas and deal with kind of a foreign, kind of a foreign, um, <clears throat> like a foreign folk legend or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's a culture difference or, or something like that, but. I like to appreciate an actual look into another culture, something that's outside of the United States. And this is what this film is able to do, kind of give you a culture of what it is in Thailand and some of their folklore and stuff like that. And it can be truly terrifying when you have some like horror shit going on in another country because it's unfamiliar. The, the, oh, like, uh, you're right. The, uh, the, the, like, imagine if they didn't have the guide. Yeah, <laughs> with them. Uh, well, uh, Alex, uh, remind me what was his name again? Um, Fuck. Uh, wasn't Ben? No, it wasn't Benny. Not Billy. It was, um, uh, ah, fuck. Reno, oh shit! Something that but Reno he was, was awesome. Reno was Mark uh, Boone Jr. Yeah, and it was Robert. Yeah, it was Billy, right? Uh, re- yeah, yeah, Richly Gray. Yeah. So, but he that character was amazing. Now, because and it was great because to have him around because. He was honest. He didn't try to take advantage of anybody, but he was also able to translate. So you imagine how fucked these characters would have been if they had not had their guide with them. Yeah. And that's so – and you you touched on that, Eugene, is that being in that in that country, when things go south and you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language and you, you don't know what's going on, you don't know where to go or where to turn to, you, the signs all look – it's very much an alien landscape. And it makes it even worse. And for some reason – while I don't necessarily agree that American audiences, when they're shown, you know, for, you know, foreign style films like this or films that take place in foreign lands, that they utilize that as a horror trope, the kind of cultural terror, you know, this is like you're you're out of your element, that whole kind of thing. It shouldn't be that scary, but it can be, and I think it's it's fifty fifty. It's a double edged sword. Yes. Uh, being being outside of your country, getting into some deep shit. Yeah, when you see the commentary with Hostel, with um, oh god, it's like uh, Hostel or like Green Inferno, um, or Green Inferno, or um, there was there was one, I got the name of it escapes me. It was about a bunch of kids who go down to Mexico and get grabbed by a Santa Muerte cult. No, that's that you was know, a news story. <laughs> so. <laughs> 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 Maybe it was a news story, but or or Wolf Creek or something like something of that I'm nature. Trying to think, there was a there was a movie. I think it it we might have talked. I think we talked about it when we were talking about the upcoming movies when we did you know the couple of uh, it was I can't remember the name of it now. Um, with the the spirit that was just like the floating head with like the that the long snake hair wasn't like Medusa, but yeah, no, it was the same. It was just kind of like. I guess my take on the whole thing is like when you're watching, I like watching these movies because then you'll see something that you've never seen before. And then like you said, you go do some research on it. I like this movie at the ghost houses, but it's like, man, you see these, these like way other side of the world, foreign horror movies. And you're like, fuck, I never even would have thought about like that being like the manifestation of like this demon or monster. The way that they see it is differently than over here. You know, we've got like the devil with the horns and the tail, but then they've got like, 
a disembodied head that, you know, appears and then it's got like, you know, snake-like hair. It's just, I don't know. It's cool to see other people's views on how the afterlife works. And you, you also get a chance to see like what scares them and their influences. Like when you look at J-Horror, a big, big coming off with the ring, the ring and the grudge were like game changers in horror because supernatural horror is more like the poultry guys and the Rosemary's baby and so then all of a sudden you get like uh, jump cuts and unnatural movements and uh, I, I think yeah I think you're talking about the the the, di- the differentiation because typically before Japanese horror really began to be adapted to American audiences Americans. Pretty much, I had to sit. You know, what we pretty much sat through was jump scares, um, you know, gory kills, or high suspense with a violent payoff. So it's pretty much just just violence and jump scares is what it was. So we didn't have a lot. There wasn't a lot of as far as far as the formula goes for shooting American horror. There wasn't a lot of variation. They pretty much the formula was the same as far as how how you're going to work your camera, how you're going to set up your kills. You have a pretty much one, two, three staccato rhythm as to as to how everything pays out. But Japanese horror, Korean horror, Vietnamese horror, uh, Thailand, uh, Taiwanese horror, um, all kinds of interest. All of the everything from the east, they have a different beat. Their the rhythms are different, and their villains are usually you know are wildly different, and they're presented in different ways. And plus, they're always cultural. There's cult- cultural significance to all of these things, and I do love that they base that so much in both their history and their traditions and their superstitions. And so we get a new taste of that because here in America, you know, what do we have? We have fucking Sasquatch and the Chupacabra, and it's pretty much it. So. There we get all kinds of interesting stuff, and I really, really love that they bring it over. I'm not a big. I was going to say I'm, I'm not a giant fan. It's a, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. You get a new experience when you see these types of films, but it does kind of propagate, or it can propagate a kind of negative stereotype for other countries because it makes them seem off-putting or unsettling, or and that can kind of it, it, you know keep people from from going there for fear of that. And so, I'm kind of fifty-fifty. I was like, "Oh man," because it's such a beautiful land. Uh, the whole area when they first discover the ghost house, uh, Alex, you remember because you saw the, you just saw it. The whole layout where the ghost houses were, you know, before she you know, when she she has that that uh, that the, her first hallucination when the elephant. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, that whole area is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. And someone less educated like this might not be inclined to go and see that because of things like this. So I think it cuts both ways. Um, I know it's all in good fun and I know it's just a movie. But we do have to look at it from a cultural perspective that we do see these negative aspects. Now, they work for horror. And I'm always reminded of that. And I think other people should be should be aware of that as well if uh, if they weren't before. Just kind of, you remember... There's more to the there's more to the land more to the to the culture than just what we see as scary, so I think that play that plays both ways. I found that to be very interesting. It, it really is, and I'm glad we actually got a chance to watch it. And it does able to actually highlight a couple of things about their culture and about their aspects and stuff. Because I'll I'll see a horror film from like like say Wolf Creek in Australia, I'll still want to go. I won't go to the woods in the middle of nowhere where that area was shot, but I'll go to Sydney. <laughs> well, as, 
us us crazy people want to go there because of the horror movies. I want to go. I still want to go to the woods with a Blair Witch. <laughs> Get lost in Massachusetts. Hell yeah. No, knowing my luck, it would be like, oh yeah, the Blair Witch was actually real. Wait, fuck, we're here? <laughs> Yo, fucking on that note, sorry, sidebar. Uh, there is a Blair Witch Project video game on Xbox. It's fucking terrifying. It's great. I did. I, I heard about that. I haven't uh, played see, it. And I like I downloaded it because I've got the gold pass and it was like free. So I was like, fuck it. So I downloaded it, dude. I spent like an hour and a half and I was like, oh, my fucking God, the shit that they do in that game. Like, it's just so cool. Check it out. It's fucking cool. It's like, is it scary? Is it scarier than Fatal Frame? Uh, I'm not far enough into it to say yes, but it's definitely it's it's more. I got worried because you get into the game and then it's like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're searching for a lost kid and then, you know, you come across the, the, um, the hex sticks or whatever the fuck they're called. And it's like, okay, you got to do this thing. And it's like, okay, this guy's got like his trauma. You're like getting his background story and stuff. But then you like find these videotapes and the videotapes you put into the video camera and you find clues on the video. And then like, so what you got to do is you got to find a clue in the video and then you like pause the video and you're fucking like the scenery and shit changes. Like everything changes. So like at one point, the first one, you like one of the first ones you like, you're standing there and then uh, you put the videotape in and then there's like a toy cop car in the videotape and you stop the videotape on the toy cop car. And all of a sudden there's like red and blue lights flashing in real life. Like the fucking toy is just like in front of you all of a sudden. It's like, holy shit. (laughs) And so you got to use like the camera and the tapes and the story. And there's like this monster that you have to like look at or it kills you. It's great. It's fucking cool. It's a lot of fun. Sorry, it was like total psych. <laughs> and of course, and of course, you know, and wrapping about you know, if you if you look into it, the the Blair Witch, you know, because obviously the Blair Witch doesn't exist, but it is loosely based on the Bell Witch yes. legend of Tennessee. We've talked which, about that, that was a that was a that was a legit that, that's a legit legend and actually kind of scary when you look into it. Um, but yeah, I, I but I I dig them because I love the I love films that stay true of or I would say. Horror films that take place in foreign lands that stay true to the cultural identity of those lands, and it, it does make me want to visit them. I never really had a compulsion to to go to Thailand until I saw this film. That was because the no, the landscapes, the way they shot them, especially especially that ending scene. Okay, when they're when they're walking out of the walking out of the little hut where the with the uh, the shaman helped them, and I call it a shaman. I don't really, I really, I don't know what her spiritual <laughs> title is. But the lady helps them out. They, you know, they, 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 everything is good, everything like that, and they're walking out. Dude, that whole scene, it, the film is shot so beautifully, from the horror shots, from her, from her hallucinations, just to the landscapes. They captured Thailand. Um, the director knew what the fuck he was doing. Absolutely. I like how, like, when they're in like hotel rooms and stuff too, like they'll shoot outside the window and do like these like beautiful, like landscapes. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That the movie I was talking about before, it's called Inhuman Kiss. We had talked about it when we were talking about hidden gems on Netflix. That's oh, okay. that's another uh, another Thai horror movie that was that was really good. I guess uh fuck, there's so many good foreign movies. <laughs> I'm like going through a list, like, okay, cool. Uh I got a list I gotta watch now. But that's something I'd like to ask the audience. What is your favorite foreign legend? There's so many of them. And, you know, you can find stuff, you can call Canada foreign, or you can go all the way to the other side. Like, we just talked about Australia, Thailand, uh, Japan has just a shitload of them. Oh, you know what I've recently discovered? India. India. Has a oh lot of God. really Dude, interesting oh, shit. Oh, yeah. 
you know, just outside of like even like the gods that they use in their horror stories. It's like, oh man, you're mixing all sorts of shit. <laughs> That's really cool stuff, and you I, you can typically find them. You can either find them online, or uh, I know that Netflix has a really really good selection of. They actually have some hidden gems in there as far as what they've imported from uh, both India and from uh, the Philippines. So really really good stuff there. I'd highly recommend it. That's another one in Filipino. Cool. All right, hey JL. So let's come back to America. Yes, we are going to come back to America. Um, one I've been looking forward to talking about this one. Uh, released August 26th, 2016. We have the movie Don't Breathe. So, directed by Fidi <laughs> Alvarez. <laughs> Hold your breath. Uh, directed and written by Fidi Alvarez uh, with Roto... Uh, oh, God, I'm going to fuck it up. With Roto Sayagas. Yeah, yeah. I probably mispronounced it. Sayaguas? Sayaguas. Starring Jane Jane Levy, Stephen Lang, Dylan Minnette, and Daniel Zavato. Um, In a nutshell, if you haven't seen this film, uh, the film was about a a group of, uh, I would say, late teens near to Wells who decide to rob a local blind man. Um, For whatever reason, because... They hear he has a bunch of money in his house. They're going to break in. He's blind. What could he possibly do? They're going to go in and rob his ass. And they come to find out that he's not just a blind man. And shit is a lot worse than they thought when they get inside <laughs> there. So, and, <laughs> you know, the um, uh, I tell you, it, it the fact that it was Stephen Lang, I knew that it was that it was going to turn sideways really fucking fast because after you see Stephen Lang in Public Enemies, in Avatar, you know when he plays a character who's like you know it's like hey you're on fire it's like I don't have time to be on fire <laughs> you know, the, you know, the character's on fire right there and you know like that when he he his reputation of playing characters like this and all of a sudden he's a blind guy and he's acting all like oh I'm blind that dude is not safe at all so I. It, <laughs> I don't need my fucking eyes to fuck you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, It was definitely the the uh, but what I loved about this one was the the uh, the kind of horror of the unsuspected villain. You don't really see how bad it can be. You know it's gonna it's gonna go bad for the for the for our protagonists or if they're really protagonists, but you know it's gonna go bad for them breaking into this house fucking idiots but you don't really know how bad i love the idea of the unsuspected villain the though you know you don't see how bad it's going to be until it actually does happen i love that notion in horror films because it does leave something unexpected it really does because they make it seem like okay hey we're gonna go in we're gonna go uh boom we're gonna go steal three hundred thousand dollars and then we'll just be in and out and then as shit turns sideways and i always i love the switch because a lot of times we see movies where it's like the family in the house and you have the home invasion come in and it's about the family or a couple whatever trying to hold off where now we're actually getting we're actually getting perspective okay these they are the home invaders that are coming in and then they're basically now they're the one that's trapped so it's switched so they come off from the position of power because they're the ones that are breaking in and then they get there and it's that switch just that oh shit we picked the wrong house, the absolute wrong yes. house. And so you get this power switch where now they're the ones that are actually being hunted throughout. And obviously stuff goes like sideways. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil too much because the movie only came out a couple years ago. 
But that's that main that's that main thing about the unsuspecting villain. It's that power switch. It's such a it's a fantastic um, writing element that to turn the tables on people, not just to turn the tables on bad guys. Like that, all of a sudden, you know, the bad guys walked into a worse bad guy. I've always liked that notion in films when the villains discover, holy shit, that they are horribly outmatched by whatever they're taking on. But I do like the di- the, the 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 dynamic because you get to see characters obviously out of their element and then you get to see them do things that they normally wouldn't do and it, it definitely it humanizes them to a level that I can really invest myself in and I think a lot of people dig and it just makes for a fun film because you don't see it coming you don't know because you don't know when it's going to come and you don't know how it's going to present itself but I think what really blows my mind given this director Fede Alvarez obviously he, he, he got on my radar with the Evil Dead reboot but I found out when looking into this, because I heard about a sequel, so I went reading about the uh, read about the movie. That this movie was actually done as a response to criticisms of Evil Dead. Who the hell criticized Evil Dead? Who? <laughs> I'd like to fucking know myself because I love that fucking movie. Man, when you, when you were talking about this and I was looking into it, I mean, like I I tried as much as I could to find stuff, but it looked like he was just so fucking pissed off about it that he like <laughs> <laughs> he like he stopped talking about it, and so like because. It goes into like, and then it, when they start talking about the the uh, Don't Breathe Two, you know, he's like, "Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm actually going to be fucking directing that one or not." Like he was like, "Damn, he was he was pissed. He was yes. so mad because like they wouldn't they wouldn't give him a, a Evil Dead reboot." And so, from what I understood, he was just so pissed off about the criticisms that he's like, "Fine, you you want me to fucking you want me to do it this way? Look at here, look, I can do this too, but this isn't what I want to do. I wanted to do Evil Dead." And then, yeah, I don't know. He, he seems so fucking mad. It was so hard to find anything because he just won't comment on it. Dave, that, that means something had to happen behind the scenes that's probably still under wraps or something like that to be for him to be that pissed. Because I don't think it's like a one guy was like, I thought it was okay. And then he's like, fuck you. No. Uh-uh. I'm done. Man, man dude, that one <laughs> critic said it was okay. Well, well, it, 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 well, they, well, from what the critics said, the, the the critical response was whereas we horror fans loved Evil Dead, it was a it was a, a fantastic homage to the to Sam Raimi's work. It had Sam Raimi's blessing. It had um, Ron uh, Ron Tappert's blessing. It had Bruce Campbell's blessing. I thought it was amazing. It's not just a reboot, remake, uh, you know, sequel. I, it's really considered a continuation of the Evil Dead series. I loved it. I, I, you know, it had my jaw on the floor within the first five minutes. I've talked about it multiple times, but apparently the criticisms came that the film was too bloody, that it was too focused too much on jump scares and shocking the audience, and the fact that it was a fucking remake. So he got a bunch of shit for everything that the film was supposed to be, because if you change it too much, then then the fans who loved the series are going to shit all over it, which he obviously he was He wanted to make sure that the fans loved it and that he did well. And it was a perfect homage to Raimi's work to the, you know, the trilogy that came before that. So out of frustration, he made don't breathe. And from what he was talking about is like that. Don't breathe was basically the exact opposite. Yeah. Of the, the opposite end of the spectrum from evil dead, because with don't breathe, you have virtually, you know, no blood, and more suspense, less shock, no real jump scares in that respect, and then no supernatural. I think he tried to and, make it 
fucking boring. Because, like, you know, uh, what's his face? Money, I think is his name, and Don't Breathe gets, like, fucking shot pretty much right away. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like... And then he, and then he, he chose like, to make... the. And he chose to make uh, Stephen Lang's character, um, Nor- uh, what was his name, Norman. He, deci- he, did- he decided to make Norman blind because the idea was to take powers away from the villain. Right. So, re- so he basically it was it was like an experiment in reduc- in complete reductivism. Just do everything the, the the exact opposite as Evil Dead. No blood, no supernatural, no <laughs> no jump scares. Took- no, you know, a weak a weak villain and uh, strong. Uh, you know, uh, protagonist. Well, then and, he took fucking Jane Levy because because evil in Evil Dead was loud. There were loud moments in Evil Dead. The music was loud. Here, the music is subdued. It's quiet. They can't make a sound. So virtually the, the entire film is is almost silent. <laughs> you know, with unable to speak. So yeah, and I I admire him for doing that because he, because Don't Breathe was great. And he knocked it out of the fucking park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It was like there was like a ten million dollar budget on it, and they fucking like grossed like a hundred and fifty seven million. So he's like, "Look, I can do boring and good at the same time. Like, you know, like, fine. You don't fucking like the loud? Here's something quiet. Just throw fucking Jane Levy in there. Mia from the Evil Dead. Get back in there. You're Rocky now. Like, let's just what, fucking do this boring. What ass is movie. it? What What the fuck is it with? I swear to God, what the fuck is it with Fede Alvarez putting Jane Levy in films and trying to get her raped with things? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, does that disturb anybody else as much as it disturbs me? No, no, it, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, I wonder whose consistent idea is that? <laughs> I, no, I have no freaking clue. Well, then, yeah, because that whole the whole lady fucking chained to the wall thing. <laughs> she, exactly. She accidentally and, you know, gets fucking shot in the head. Like I didn't fuck. even, and I, and I didn't even think, I didn't even. Think about it even the house because the house that uh norman lives in is very is nice yeah but it's you know, like in it, the middle of a fucking abandoned ass neighborhood in the middle of like fucking detroit that is a big house too <laughs> so well it's, it's a nice it's a nice house on a scary street right like, so, hmm, that should be your first red fucking flag <laughs> so yeah he, the film was completely subversive and he did it out of frustration to the responses to evil dead which i don't think were deserved I mean, he was touching on a on a franchise that 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 we grew up with. So, if, you know, critics these days they may not get it, they may not like it. I don't fucking care. He deserved way more props for Evil Dead. I loved what he fucking did. The film made money, so he got to do this. And of course, it's and I think that the greatest irony is that he doesn't he didn't get a chance to do a follow up to Evil Dead. He didn't he he didn't get to do it in Evil Dead Two or something of that nature. But the movie he made in frustration, two, which was and this was also an original story, the movie he made in frustration to the response to Evil Dead gets him a sequel. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, which is the <laughs> ultimate, which is the ultimate irony because it's not the movie he wanted a sequel to. I wanted to do Evil Dead too, but now you're gonna fight. Fine. What <laughs> which I think is a, I think the whole story is a beautiful. Is a beautiful display of the absurdity of Hollywood. It, it really is because the people who bashed on Evil Dead are the wrong people. They are the stuck up. Oh well, no. This why should a movie have a chainsaw do that? No, that's terrible. No one wants to see that. Yeah, people wanted to see that. And yes. It, I want to see Mia with a chainsaw and jam that fucking down the throat <laughs> of the thing that's coming after her 
with the burning cabin in the back. Oh my god, that, that scene blew my fucking mind. I watched that and was like, what the fuck? Cut her in fucking half. You know, you know when Sam Raimi saw that shit, he was like, yes! This is what I envisioned. This is why I hired you! God, he was probably sitting there with his fish clenched, and then when they called cut, he was probably like, yes, yes, yes! <laughs> I know if I if I if I created a franchise and I let this this young kid and, I, and all I'd seen of him was his short film that we talked we've talked about that little short film and all I saw was that short film and I put him in charge of this movie and he gave me that uh I I, I, could, I could die happy you know what what he did he deserved so much praise for that and then of course he gets pissed makes don't don't breathe he's like fine I'll do it the I'll do it differently I'll do it opposite and then they give him a sequel to this one which I believe is it's coming out fall it was delayed because of the you know, the the shit going on I think it's coming out fall of 2021 and I think it's called don't breathe again <laughs> just stop <fucking laughs> Hold your breath. I fucking told you, don't breathe. And I do know, I do know that Stephen Lang is coming is coming back for it. I don't know about uh, Jane Levy because Jane Levy, I think she has a TV series that that she just started. So I don't know how schedules are going with this whole COVID shit. So, but uh, I mean, hats off to him. I mean, if Eddie Alvarez, you know, he can't. He can't fail for trying, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, it, this is what it comes down to. If you're going to do anything, including things out of frustration, do them well. Yeah. Yes, do them well. <laughs> so the best, that's the best my, that, revenge is success. Exactly. If, even, even unintended success. <laughs> God damn it, I'm just too good at what I do. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, I'll make this stupid boring movie, 157 million. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, fuck. And that's the ultimate fuck. That is the ultimate fuck you from Hollywood. I'm gonna purposely tank this shit. Nope, it's a blockbuster. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> Why can't I miss? <laughs> All right, that's a question I have for the audience. Um, I know you guys probably love Don't Breathe as much as we did, but are you looking forward to the sequel, Don't Breathe Again? Announced that they so they were going to shoot uh, start principal photography April of this year. I know things got delayed, and uh, I believe it's it's set to come out fall of 2021. Uh, seems like you know it's going to take a year for us to recover from this year. So, but uh, are you guys looking forward to the sequel? Let us know. Weekendhorror at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, or let us know in the comments below. All right, our third film, Eugene. Oogity boogity. What do we have? Ooh. Sticking on the whole theme of <laughs> scariness. Ooh. <laughs> I don't, I seriously, I don't what? intend, I do not intend these themes. They just fucking happen. <laughs> this is, this is what Hollywood does. They have their themes that kind of, they release certain types of movies in certain points of the year. And so then that's what, that's what, how we end up covering them. <laughs> that's true. And so released August 27th, 2010, we have The Last Exorcism. And it was directed by Daniel Stamm, and it stars Patrick Fabian and Ashley Bell. And basically, what basically what ends up happening is you have the, you have this like cleric who goes around and he does like these fake exorcisms. And so basically what he wants to do is he wants to go and expose what's actually been going on. And so he decides to shoot a documentary. And kind of showcase some of his tricks for this last exorcism, but the last exorcism turns out to be real. <laughs> so it's like, huh, the devil's like, gotcha! 
does exist. <laughs> the best it's... way to hear God laugh is announce your fucking plans. <laughs> it's a good fucking way to put it. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm going to do a documentary. Everything I do is bullshit. The exorcisms are all fake. It's all magic tricks and sleight of hand. This is the last one. You guys are going to document it. And I'm going to come clean in the end. I'm sorry. It's the devil. <laughs> Satan's ears perk up. He's like, wait, what? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is not a drill. <laughs> oh, fuck. I've been so bored for so long. Thank you. <laughs> I, oh, I, I have to admit, for dude, there's so many exorcism movies. And I think, and I seriously, and I have sat through so many of them. Oh, there's so many. Exercise this, exercise that. Oh my God, ghosts and people. Apparently, it's 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 a big it's a big money thing because they keep fucking making them. Even the last exorcism got a sequel. Last exorcism two, three. I <laughs> <laughs> they just keep going. So, but and uh, given the Conjuring universe and everything going on with that, but. I do. I mean, I have to admit, I really dug the Last Exorcism. I did because none of the previous films, because they all deal with you know, like ah, oh, there's a ghost in the person, and ex faithful person comes, ex faithful person does battle, and they cast the person out, and either the you know, the victim dies, the victim lives, happy ever after, whatever. This is the first one I'd ever seen where you could legitimately say that your protagonist was an atheist. And I thought that that was wild. That's that's what caught my attention. It's because I saw the last Exorcist. I didn't know anything about it. I, I hadn't read about it because I was like, "Oh, Exorcism movie, blah." But you know, I was bored. I sat down and I watched it. This was uh, this was like six months ago. I sat down and watched it. And I was like, "Okay, let me see this thing." If last I'm bored. I need I need a horror movie to watch, so I threw it on. And I'm like, "Oh!" And it starts out. It's like, "Holy shit!" He's confessing everything right there to the camera. Oh, this yeah, dude's a fucking all, this, this dude's a fucking atheist. He's an atheist masquerading as a pre as as a as a minister to make money, and now he's sick and tired of it because his conscience is nagging at him, and he's going to fucking admit everything and just you know and throw the whole thing away. And just, oh shit, you know, devil had other plans. But I love that it started out like that, and it addressed the idea of fraudulent faith, which I have never seen. I've seen horror movies about misplaced faith. But I've never seen a horror movie where the where the faithful was where the faithful person was a straight up fraud well, and admits you, it and is cool with it. That's exactly the same way I saw the movie too. I was sitting; it was like a fucking Saturday or something. I was alone. I was in my like my bedroom. I had Netflix open and it popped up or Hulu, or whatever it was on. And I was like, "Fuck it, whatever." So I started it. Wasn't even paying attention. And then, like you said, he starts talking about how he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm, I'm total fucking fraud. Like I've been doing this. I've been using." I'll use scientific explanations, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, so I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right, I, I fucking hate when people are like, yes, God, you know, and everybody's got their religion, and that is absolutely fine. Believe in what you believe in. I, myself, I'm very atheist. I, I'm, I'm open to the ideas that people have, and I like to discuss those ideas with people. But me, myself, I'm not a believer. And so... Like when it was like, okay, here's somebody that's like, I am using science to like explain these things. It's like, you know, it, it could be this, it could be that, you know, you go in and people are in there. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I, I can get behind, you know, I'll watch what he's got to say. And so it goes through and then, yeah, it's like when he first fucking realizes something's going south, it's like, what would I do in that situation? If I sat here my whole life and I was like, you know, this is what I believe in, but it was completely fucking different. I think I'd probably have the same re reaction. Oh yeah. Like, you see no, what happened. Fake. You it's see fake. what happened to him. He fucking broke. 
It, it's not. It's not fake. Wait, everything I know is a fucking lie. <laughs> like, okay. but yeah. So like, like I said, like I am so open to everything. Like I will sit and I will like listen and I truly care about what people believe in and faith and you know I you know I'm not saying one is right and one's wrong. I I just I believe what I believe in and and I, I can't stand when people. You see these big gigantic, you know, we live in Texas and we have these fucking mega churches and all this other shit. Oh, yeah. And honestly, in, in my opinion, it's just, it's cash grab. It's all money. Why do you need, if you're worshiping your God, why do you need a fucking multi-million dollar tax-free fucking building to do it in? Why can't we do it? And I understand they have like places in the community and yada, yada, and they do stuff, but like it's become kind of ridiculous. And it's like, so I see these like these money grabbing like. Uh, you know, these million dollar, multi-million dollar houses that these priests, like these evangelical TV, t- what do they call them? Tele- yeah, tele- oh, televangelists, yeah. Yeah, stuff like, like, like that. Fucking, you know, like like fucking, like Copeland and Joel Osteen. And Joel Osteen, yeah. yeah, that's, just, that's, yeah. that's who I was thinking about. Yeah, no, That's like, the fucker who lives down south. Yeah, he lives yeah. in Houston. And you know what, like, honestly, it's fucking ridiculous. Nobody, if Wait, you were out there trying to help people out, you know, especially if you say you're a man of God who's supposed to be helping everybody out, you don't need a fucking McMansion and million cars and like, no, fuck that. So then, yeah, this guy's like, yeah, I'm a fucking fraud. I'm like, oh, are you now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he gets his fucking ass kicked, which is kind of cool. Eugene, <laughs> what were you about? To oh, say? No, well, because basically, the one thing about this is we see the non-believers from other aspects of the of exorcisms because we've seen the non-believer person who is possessed and they go and deny it and we've seen it where it's the family that's denied but you're right this is the first time that we actually see like the main actual person just go no it's not real it's just not and that's what actually kind of grabs you because the movie itself i don't think it really made that many waves like when it came out i didn't hear about it until like recently yeah i think it was the i think what, what caught me was the poster the poster kind of intrigued me when I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, the, the, you know, the, this would be at least like looking into, uh, worth looking into for a moment. And I dig it, yeah, because and that's what kept me engrossed in the movie is because you it, it went from the the expected the power of Christ compels you to what scientific reason is this chick acting this way? This has got to be an explanation as to why this is happening. And you know, looking you know, Satan. <laughs> Yes, and and looking for the specific thing that that could explain this, you know, from from a real from a realism from a realist perspective, and I love that I love that they played with that. And for some reason, no one has done it again. They have done with people because every time you see a religious figure, the religious figure is either or the religious protagonist is either very very faithful or he was faithful, lost his faith, then regains his faith. But this was a dude who. And there wasn't even a real, like, regaining of faith. This was a person who has no faith, who admits he's a fraud, who is doing it for the money, and it just kind of feels icky about it now. So now he's done. And then when he's confronted with the supernatural, when he's confronted with the the unimaginable, he he doesn't, like, just be like, oh, yes, God, like this. So he fucking snaps and just, like... Oh, just like, you know, like warrior of God kind of like walks at it like, you know what? I don't fucking know. Obviously, it didn't end well for the hero. (laughs) No, it did not. (laughs) Yes. And I really I I dug I dug the concept of the hero that that doesn't accept the horror that's around him, that he has an explanation for that he knows. Now, there is a level there does seem to be a level of arrogance that plays into that. I have the answer for everything or everything has an answer. 
Um, there's a, le- a bit of a level of arrogance in there, a bit of um, intellectual dishonesty to the character, but I love it because it made it more rich. That makes the character more accessible because you realize his failings as an atheist were, are, would be as much as his failings if he did have faith, you know, in just everything. And I just, I dug it. The, the characters were human. The reactions of the country, of the religious country bumpkins around him were entertaining as fuck because, <laughs> because, you know, because he's doing the whole, like, gig. He's doing the whole, like, gig, and the girl is obviously possessed. The father knows that she's possessed, and he's looking at the fucking, like, minister like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, this because he's looking at him he's like, is this a joke? <laughs> To you, is he like fucking playing for the TV? What the hell? My daughter literally has a fucking demon in her. <laughs> I'm aware of this. I've been aware of this shit. So Some the incredulity, uh, crocodile hunter shit. Now I'm going to poke you with a stick. No, don't, don't do this. Don't, you don't, don't like that. do that. Man. Don't do this. You don't like that. But I really that I loved it. It was it was a surprising. It, I wouldn't say this is a blockbuster. It was a smash hit. But I did. I dug it for some of the things that it did. The story was strong. You can you can forget the sequel. The sequel was pointless. But this one was a nice little gem. Just you know, something fun to watch for those who haven't seen it. Yeah, you just you just just right off the bat, something that's just kind of uh, if you're looking for something to watch, something that's just kind of a little bit obscure. This is definitely a great one. Now you know, we're talking about with exorcism and this being like a real one. This is actually something I like to ask the audience: Do you believe exorcisms are real? Because we do have, a, there are a couple films out there that claim a real, uh, this was a real recorded Exorcist or something like that. But uh, I don't, I, I don't know. So definitely let us know. Shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail.com or post in the comments below. Do you think exorcisms are real? I'd say while the listeners know that I don't, because li- the listeners know me from from a YouTube presence, they know that I'm an atheist. I don't believe the exorcisms are real. Stuff like that, what happened with um, with Emily, you know, the, the 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 exorcism of Emily Rose was based on a real story. The exorcist was actually based on a real story. There there are several incidents that were based on on real events, supposedly based on real events or real reports of events that took place. And I believe, you know, same thing. It's it's pareidolia. You see what you're expecting. You kind of influence yourself to interpret things a certain way. And I think that it is a combination of mental illness and stress and mass hysteria. Um, but I do know that some people do see do see it differently. So I'm very curious if any of our if our listeners do believe the exorcisms are real. Do they see something more there that that we don't? Um, definitely let us know. All right, Alex. What do we got next? Ooh, super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like this one. Ugh, I don't watch a whole lot of movies more than one time. I'll give it two if I'm bored. I love watching new stuff. I have a hard time rewatching stuff. I think I've watched this movie, I don't know, probably eight or nine times. And like, I got it from the Red Box, and I fucking just kept it because I was like, yeah, no, I'll pay, I'll pay forty bucks. For this. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have it in the fucking Red Box box. Nice. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about As Above, So Below came out August 29th, 2014. Wow, that actually came out a long fucking time ago. Yeah, <laughs> time does fly. <laughs> oh, shit. No, uh, you, think, you by, think that's bad? You think uh, Don't Breathe feels like it just came out like last year. Yeah. I know, yeah. And that's that was fucking four years ago already. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. Man. Anyways, now that we're fucking old. Uh, directed by John, uh, see, I fuck this up every time. Dowdle. Dowdle? John Eric Dowdle. 
and his brother, Drew Dowdle, uh, stars. See, fuck, man, you got the easy ones. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Perdida Weeks. That's hard to say. Ben Feldman, uh, Edwin Hodge, Francois Civil, Marion Lambert, Allie Mar Marhair. Fuck, these are hard. I, I believe it's Mariar. Mariar. Mar fucking French man. Casume <laughs> <laughs> Castro. Um, this movie follows a group of, you call them explorers, I call them stupid for going in these fucking catacombs in the first place. Uh, a group of explorers that go into the catacombs under the streets of Paris, uh, and they come across all sorts of secrets and dead people and find themselves in a very fucked up predicament. Speaking of, you know, exorcisms and the devil, they walk straight into fucking hell. Uh, Terrifying. From the beginning, when they're like, hey, this one guy went missing down here. Let's fucking try to find him. Yeah, because no horror movies ever started off like that before. <laughs> find his body. Maybe we'll find his body. Maybe you'll find the devil. I really, I, I, I did really dig this one as much as you know, probably almost as much as you did, Alex. Um, the, the first run they, through, man, and right up until the very fucking last seconds of the movie, even after like they, you know, they they pop out a thing, it's like, holy fuck, like I'm trying to catch my breath, like oh my god, like I was fucking there with them the whole time. It was great. <laughs> I dig, I dig what they did. Um, really, really. I mean, obviously, the the, the Paris catacombs have such. Such a mystique about them, or you know, there's there's a obviously there's a mystery to them. It's uh, for those not familiar with it, underneath the underneath the city streets of Paris are catacombs that were created to basically, I hate to say, it, but to dump the bodies from the Black Plague. It was yeah, it was just a place to dump bodies. Yeah, mm. it, was, it was what it became, and there is there at the time that they were building them, there there was some level of kind of respect given to them, but after so many years. Uh, it's miles and miles of caverns down there, you know, filled with the remains of the dead, uh, bones all over the place, skulls and all like this. And the crazy thing about them is that nobody has ever mapped them to their greatest nope. extent. So there are areas that are very, very dangerous. You, there, there are areas that you can go and you, as a tourist, you could go and see. Um, they're guided and you can see a little bit of the catacombs. But going deeper into the catacombs without a guide, there's no map. And you can get easily lost because there's no light. There's no, and everything looks the same. You turn, you you take a couple wrong turns, and you'll never come back. Obviously, people have seen that YouTube video that I think went viral several years ago of the of the, the guy who went down there. Suppose it supposedly went down there with his camera and was exploring, got lost, and eventually wound up dropping the camera and like running off into the darkness because he was scared. And they found the camera later, but they never found him. So that was that was something that popped up on YouTube. I'm not saying that that actually happened, but that's kind of the idea behind it. It could be, I think, a, one of the few legitimately scary places on Earth that you could legit that you could go to. It's freaking wild. Um, I, I I would like to check them out one day. I don't know about you guys. Fuck yeah! I mean, shit, you get fucking. I mean, yes, because like you said, they weren't really fucking mapped out. And from what the research that I did after seeing this movie, I looked into it a lot. A lot of it looks the fucking same everywhere you go. It's like so easy to get lost in there. It, it really is. It It's just there's not really another place like that on Earth because there's millions of bodies down there. Over 200 miles of tunnels hey, that are in there. And they do. They have their... 
certain areas are mapped and they're roped off and so you can go down there for like a safe tour as long as you stay with the tour you'll be okay like you there's but it's just when people go out and they go exploring you're talking about 200 miles of tunnels a couple wrong turns and they won't find you like like at all they won't but what's what's really interesting about the concept of this film is they actually shot there that is that blows my mind because and the, from what I remember, they were like, they were told not to like, you know, not like, oh, you can't do it. But it was like, you probably shouldn't. It, it, well, they, they, I mean, all the warnings that would come along with that. I mean, it's, it, it reminded me when I heard about this, uh, Eugene, when you, you just bring it up, when I heard about this, it reminded me of of the shooting experience that the crew had on um, on my on my bloody Valentine, because they actually shot that in a mine like twenty six hundred feet below the below the surface. And the hazards that now that's an act that was an actual mine, okay. So that literally you go down there. There's really not a lot of places that you can go because you have your your areas, but it's pretty much laid out. It's a mine. It, they're cut a specific way. This is the fucking catacombs, unmapped. No one knows. No electricity. No no cell reception. Nothing. And they had to go and plan this all out, and so they had to use areas that were definitely not like primary for the public because if they run a tour there uh, constantly so that they use an area kind of outside of that and they had to bring in everything so the only lights were the lights on like their their helmets and the few set lights and they're bringing power in and they're starting like say you're talking about no cell phone reception and they even had one of the main actors uh Freeman who suffers from claustrophobia so they had to constantly keep talking him through and they would have to bring him up to the surface to let him kind of breathe and kind of relax and then go right back down into it. Uh, so it was the film shooting. The film was definitely difficult for him on it. That was, that was, that was Ben Feldman. Feldman. Yeah. The, uh, he played George. Oh, wow. And, and God, he's, he's, he features very prominently in the movie. So that's a lot of stuff. That he's <laughs> yeah, do. he re- he really hung in there. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so cool. Like all the behind the scenes stuff. If you go into it, like uh, the YouTube user PewDiePie, like did a promotion for it where he actually like went and walked through the catacombs. Um, and then like, uh, like the skeletons are like real in this and then like uh when uh uh uh, scarlet goes into the the nightclub when she's looking for papillon it's an actual nightclub and there was like an actual dj just doing a set there like they just went to paris and were like okay cool like we're just gonna fucking film actual paris we're gonna film action the catacombs these are real fucking there was real skeletons in the movie they had to like you know get permission from the government i guess uh to to film in the catacombs but then they're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, just you know, if you get lost, you're fucking dead. So good luck. Now you, so you imagine, like, you imagine they that that burning car was down in there. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Shit like that. It's because like, for, for those, you gotta let it all fucking you know <laughs> out as for much those, as possible. For those uh, for those audience members who for those listeners who haven't seen it, as above as above, so below follows with these individuals go in here and they 
the the journey that they go on is was based very much on the seven the seven circles of hell. Yeah, Dante like Dante's Inferno. Yeah, and, and they go de- and they, so basically and the only you know, the whole the, the idea that the only way out is through. So they have to go through these torments and get you know to get to the other side. And we don't want to spoil what happens at the end, um, but the, some of the shit they encounter is super fucking wild. And trying to imagine. And Eugene, I know you. You've from a, from a production standpoint, creating these things in this space, G- getting the the fact of getting everything down there. It was shot a lot guerrilla style, so they're just they have to they're going through at some point, almost shooting as they go. And the crew said it was creepy because it was like okay, once the camera starts rolling and they turn all the lights off, and the only light is like on the character's helmet, so all your production assistants and crew are sitting around the corner in complete blackness while they go and shoot the scene. And the, it, it, on some, some of the longer takes, you're, you may be sitting there for, say, five minutes in complete darkness surrounded by a bunch of skulls. That's wild. <laughs> oh, it's so wild. God, it, it, like, seriously, though, even if you were there, even if you were there with all these people and you had all this, like, equipment and lights and stuff, being stuck down in there... That would just be absolutely fucking terrifying. And then, fuck, and then on top of it, you're like, you're playing like, okay, your character has, you know, as you go through the story, you know, they they realize, like, their sin, you know, there was a story to each person as to, like, why, you know, why the stuff is happening to them down there, and they're, you know, it could be they're just fucking crazy, they could be in hell, and then it's like, you gotta, like, stay in that character while you're just crammed in these fucking claustrophobic catacombs man that just i mean that whole movie from start to finish you can tell that they actually start to get scared it's like actual fear on some of their faces and that's it's so authentic it's super great it makes me it makes me want to go to the catacombs it really it really does and it can it helps to solidify like an actual location and how that can play in terms of with storytelling because you take, you know, as above, so below uh, another movie like the descent where you get that claustrophobic, that creepy, you're underground. There's not help coming for you at all. No one will find you. God, and then like you play yeah. into that, that, uh, that occult, you know, as above, so below, it's like an occult term. It's like, okay, you know, what you, what you do up here will be done to you down there. So it's like, oh my god, please don't fucking show me my <laughs> sins. Please don't do the bad things I've done to me. It's like, you are not safe. I don't know. I'd like to ask the audience, would you go down there? Should we all get a group together, go to fucking Paris, and go down to the catacombs? Would you guys go? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd sense. go. Yeah, yeah, I, I would go. I think we should fucking figure out how to make that work because now I'm all excited about it. <laughs> like, yeah, let's, oh, so let's all go to the rapture. That that sounds like a horror movie in of itself. A group of podcasters go down in the Paris catacombs and it's never seen again. <laughs> hey guys, what's okay, up? We, are, we, are, we are seriously coming up with a series of films <laughs> that star the cast of the we of Week in Horror. <laughs> You know, first, first, yeah. The first movie we thought of was Week in Horror podcast. Uh, the the cast gets stalked by an extreme horror fan who is angry about all the things they fuck up on the podcast. <laughs> and then the second one is they go to the Paris catacombs to, I guess, to do a uh, to do a podcast, and then something happens there. I don't fucking know. Obviously, these are horror comedies. <laughs> 
And hey, if somebody out there has the money and wants to make those movies, I will happily star in them. I will work deferred if necessary because I'm a fucking <laughs> whore for being on camera. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, someone go make. We'll make it happen. Sweet. Oh, fuck yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. So let us know. Would Would you explore them? Would you want to explore them with us? Because. I mean, I'm I'm bad fucking luck. So. <laughs> Maybe go on your own, but let us know. We can horror at gmail dot com. We got uh, we got a couple of birthdays. We do, we do. We have uh, two two guys, uh, two people special to my heart. Uh, the first one, um, happy birthday to Takashi Miike. Takashi six. Oh, <laughs> you keep doing that. Uh, born August twenty fourth, nineteen sixty. Uh, Takashi Miike, the legendary Japanese filmmaker, um, who this cat has directed over a hundred theatrical, video, and television productions since his debut in nineteen ninety one. He does everything. I, I, I would actually consider him like the Japanese um, Stanley Kubrick because there is no genre. That he has not hit everything from fa- from family friendly films all the way to the bizarre and extraordinarily violent. This guy's got an eye for all of it, and wh- uh, one of my favorite Japanese directors of probably this generation. Uh, yeah, he had his hand in uh, 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 uh one missed call, right? Yeah, he he actually he went he directed a one missed call, and he also directed an episode of the Masters of Horror. Oh, nice! And he did. He had yeah worked on that one. Yes. And the film, the film that really put him on the map for me, and definitely one of my favorite foreign films. If you ever get a chance, it's not necessarily horror, but if you ever get a chance to, it's Thirteen Assassins. I was going to say, you better say 13 Assassins. That movie is phenomenal. Well, you have a cast of 13 13 Assassins, and he's able to make each one stand out differently and make you feel differently for every single one of them. So when shit goes down... Especially when they all have the same haircut. Well, yeah, they're all samurai. They all have the same haircut, and they're all dressed the same. But um, just a masterclass in characterization in it. You know, it's wild. It's wild that you mentioned Thirteen Assassins because he did Thirteen Assassins in 2010. But there are movies that because because where I discovered him was Audition. Oh yeah. So I found so that's where I that's where I first encountered Takashi Miike's work and was permanently scarred <laughs> by what I saw in that movie. Um, <clears throat> it's it's difficult to describe, but it's so amazing. If any of our listeners have not seen Audition, Ichi the Killer. Uh, the Happiness of the Katakuris, uh, Visitor Q. Um, if you have not seen any of these, I do not want to spoil them. <laughs> Holy fuck. So, yes, uh, Mike has done stuff like, you know, like, I think he did stuff based on, he's done stuff based on video games like Ace Attorney, uh, Dead or Alive, the, the, the fighting game. He does stuff all over the place, but his violent, violent and horror and psychological horror shit. Is in just out is just beyond. I don't, don't really know how to describe it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Just clarify. He didn't do the Dead or Alive video game movie. No, 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 no. Um, let me see. Uh, so Dead or Alive. Um, yeah, you're talking about the one again. The three three part series: Dead or Alive, Dead or Alive Two, Birds, and then uh, he did the the. the Where was that? He did the third one. I can't remember. I can't remember the the friggin' name of that the name on that one. But it is, uh, but the characters are loosely based on the, on the film or on the game. 
Really loosely, because I know I know they have the the video game movie Dead or Alive with like Jamie Presley. That's yeah. That's oh, that was the American okay. Movie. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because Dead or Alive, if I remember correctly, was the the mafia one, right? Dead or Alive, like Japanese mafia. Oh, I did the, mix it up. See one. that? See, I was like that that fucking horror fan is going to come and kill us all. <laughs> Um, but yes, it was a, the hit. His Dead or Alive was a uh, Yakuza action film. My bad. Yeah, and then the second one was like the the two the two assassins like meet. Okay, now friends. I have now I have to check. You know, because I know what Ultraman was about because he, he did Ultraman mm-hmm. Max. Um, but he also did Ace Attorney. But I'm gonna make sure I'm pulling it up. Yes, Ace Attorney based on the fucking video. Okay. Yes, based on the Capcom <laughs> yes, video game Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. <laughs> Okay, I'm just making sure. Oh my god, the, the guy has done so much. Um, his most recently, uh, he did um, uh, was Police Heroine Love, Love Petrina was his most recent. Um, but I have to say, if you go back and watch his early stuff, his raw stuff, go watch Zebra Man because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned it. I really am. But yeah, obviously, he, uh, his work on Masters of Horror. Um, but if you definitely go back and watch Ichi the Killer, Audition, everyone, I believe everybody's doorway to Takashi Miike should be Audition. That's uh, I Yeah, yeah, I can go with that. There's certain things I couldn't unsee after watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but definitely. Um, I, he's going to keep turning it out, and I love everything he's touched. I, I love it when... He when uh when the when when he works over overseas when he when he comes here and works and he works here in America, if our people can stay the fuck out of his way, just let him do his thing, because he constantly he'll come over here do, he'll dabble a little bit then he'll run back over there and and work in Japan because in Japan he's legendary he's honored over there nobody tells uh, tells him what he can and cannot do because his vision is so unique and so visceral. He gets he gets what he wants, and that's the way he should be treated in that respect. Because everything he's churned out is phenomenal. It is phenomenal as far as I've seen. Now I haven't watched everything he's done because a lot of his stuff obviously is is Japanese. It's in it's in Japanese, but um, very much so in Japanese. Everything from his crime stuff, his mafia stuff, his action things, his video game his stuff based on video games, and of course his hyper violent. I'm talking hyper fucking violent shit. Each of the Killer has to be one of the most, probably the most violent film I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that man is a walking blender. <laughs> <laughs> Ichi the Killer. Holy shit. But definitely wanted to give, uh, give a shout out to uh, Takashi Miike. I don't know. I know a lot of our audience members may not have seen a lot of his stuff, but you definitely should. As a horror fanatic, you should be watching Takashi Miike's works. They're really fantastic. You're gonna love them. So happy birthday, Takashi Miike. Happy, happy birthday, Takashi. Takashi. <laughs> I almost had it. I was, I've said his name like nine I times. Had it. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I was really trying. I really was. Here comes the fan. <laughs> yep, the fan comes back after I sit. Takashi Miike. Shink. Just got <laughs> I just saved us from the dead or alive comment. Then let me come back for them for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we also got one more birthday and he was born August 27th, 1953. And we have Peter Stormare, a fucking legend, legend, legend 
Um, definitely been in films like Constantine, where you got to play Lucifer. Uh, he was in Armageddon. He is currently on American Gods. Um, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Schoenberg. I've never seen any of that. Show. Oh, uh, yeah, Chernobog. Yeah, Chernobog. He's a uh, um. Uh, he's he's one half of uh, he's a dark god and his brother is the light god and he's you know, he's the one that you know the, obviously the negative one but yeah uh, basically a god of sacrifice and bloodletting and um, a god of uh, slaughter um, no, also slaughter of animals and stuff like that but yes um, he's badass and and he's fucking amazing in that film I him and uh, was it with the the lead actor uh, Ricky Smalls I don't want to mess up his name. Because he's such a good fucking actor. No, the lead actor in that. Um, I want to make sure I get his name right. Oh. Um, American Gods. He's Chernobog and where the heck? Ricky okay. Whittle. My bad. R- Ricky Whittle. So, but Ricky Whittle. Um, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff, but he's amazing. He's really, really good in American Gods. But his. Chemistry with Peter Stormare, what Peter Stormare brought to that, to the scenes that they had together when they're playing checkers and the ga- the gamble is on Ricky's life if he loses. And this is a god he's playing against. And the god's favorite game is checkers. He knows everything. So he knows every single move you could possibly make. And if it, you know, and then Ricky puts his life down. He's like, I'll bet you my life that I'll win. And so there's a fantastic scene of the two of them, of the two of them moving back and forth. But that is, I think, a hallmark of Stormare. The, the, I have I have never seen him in a bad even his smaller role in Bad Boys Two. <laughs> I was gonna say that was the first time I ever saw him in Bad Boys Two. The Russian Grim Reaper is here. Ah, and then I get shot and die. No, but the dude is fucking amazing. I think. What? When did you guys first? When did you first see Peter Stormare working? What movie? Uh, what, uh, what project did you see? Oh, uh, the first? first one will probably have to be Fargo. Oh yeah, yeah. No, definitely Fargo. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say, I, I want think Pancake House. <laughs> the correct answer is Pancake House. That's what you first saw. <laughs> I want Pancake well, okay. House. Uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, Lost yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah, Lost World. Yeah. I'm that, fucking that hungry fun. now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. I just fucking like, love uh, this scene. Big Lebowski. He was in 8mm, uh, too. Yes, he was. He was the uh, the uh, the filmmaker, the, the yeah. sleazy filmmaker guy. God, man, he was in so many fucking uh, Pain and Gain. That was another one that I just watched recently. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really, skip, I really dug him in Big. Le- I dug him in Big Lebowski as the Big nihilist. Lebowski. Cut off your Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty two uh, Jump Street too. That was another one that I just saw. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's Carl. He doesn't believe it. He's a nihilist. He doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> Oh, but he did so much stuff in video games too. That was the thing. Like uh, uh, until dawn, did you ever play that? That no. I haven't. It's that's a fucking that's a really good. Um, it's one of those like the choices you make kind of butterfly effect type game with uh, like uh, uh, fucking what is her fucking name? Uh, Hayden Pantier is like the the main character, and they go to it's like a teenagers in a cabin type thing, and they start getting picked off one by one. It's actually a really good. It's a really good game. Uh, Rami Malek is in that game, too. Oh, huh. neat. And so, yeah, Peter Stormare is, like, this doctor, and then Hayden Pantier and uh, Rami Malek are, like, the main characters in this. And, yeah, it's like a teenagers go to a cabin in the woods in the middle of winter, and 
uh, start getting picked off one by one. But it's like it's one of those like you know the choices you make tell the story it's really fucking cool but yeah he did a really fucking fantastic job in that one you know it was like the creepy doctor yeah and i want to i want to i want to really throw out uh, a lesser film that many people may not have seen which is odd because it has a is a huge cast in it um but you know if you're familiar with peter stormare if you see you know, stuff like the big lebowski uh bad boys 2 bad company um minority report uh various stuff like this there's he he's definitely a character actor, and he usually plays big characters, right? Mm-hmm. There was a movie, Million Dollar Hotel. Nope. No, I haven't seen it. So you you haven't seen her? Okay, I discovered this movie by chance, just just you know on the offices. It's an ensemble piece. It's got uh, Jeremy Davies, Mila Jovovich, um, and Mel Gibson in it. Okay, oh, nice. so it actually has a a rather stellar cast, and it's basically about this old hotel. The um, the, uh, the Million Dollar Hotel, which I believe is uh, downtown L.A. It doesn't matter where it's set. But anyhow, it's about the oh, kind yeah. of inha- the, the inhabitants of this hotel. Oh, Tim Roth is in it, too. So, But it's basically this the kind of like the weird kind of people that live in the hotel. You know, the story is about people who, who they basically check in and they never they end up never leaving. So, and one of the kooky characters that is in that, that lives in that hotel is played by Peter Stormare. Who believes he is the fifth Beatle? He's Pete Best, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, there's there's so many you know uh, kooky characters running about, but he's one of them, and his performance is fan for the for as little as it was is magnificent. So even reduced, or I would say not not just reduced roles, but even subtle characters. You know, with it, with their their smaller but he excels even at that. No role is too big or too small for him to like just pull every ounce and give everything he's got. Which is why you know we can see him in eight millimeter and then turn around and see him in Minority Report and then turn around and see him in the Brothers Grip. Cavaldi has got to be one of my favorites of his characters. Hell the, yeah! The uh, the the. The Frenchman, uh, <laughs> the torturer. <laughs> God, he was hilarious. But I mean, you're right. I mean, he's somebody who he has worked just nonstop. He has left an impression. He's just done so much. Like every time I sit there and I scroll through like his filmography, and it's like I forgot. Like I forgot he was in Armageddon when they went over to uh, was it the Mir Station? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy, the crazy Russian. <laughs> or, you know, yes, my father in Russia was a very big man. He made the bomb, the tip of the bomb that find Washington, D.C., New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he Did you ever see the uh, the TV show L.A. to Vegas? No, yeah, I, have, I, I haven't. Okay, it's like, it's a comedy about uh, just a flight that goes from L.A. to Vegas, and so, like, you get, like, these regulars, you got, like, the flight attendant, the captain of the plane, and uh, he plays this, uh, just like this, you know, high roller gambler, his name's Artem, you should check it out, it's, he, he's fucking, you know, it's outside of his normal range of, like, the creepy Russian, you know, yeah, that, he so, plays, I mean, that he plays so well, but he plays this fucking, just this just this killer role in this uh, comedy. He makes the show. It's awesome. He's like the sleazy, you know, poker player that just goes back and forth. <laughs> Vegas on the weekends. Yeah, his, it's great. His voice work is also fantastic. Obviously, you, you you can definitely tell it's him whenever you hear him come up. Um, and he and he does fun stuff too, like you know the Nut Job too. 
<laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, you know, he was. I think he was Gunther in that one. Yep. But you know, it's, I mean, he's and I think he's one of the voices in uh, Penguins of Madagascar, right? Uh, I'm, oh shit, yeah, he was, wasn't he? I think he's the voice of Corporal. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he does all kinds of really, really just. The dude is awesome. He's funny as hell. He can do dramatic. He can do action. And right now, I know that he is doing. Um, he, he he does a lot of television. He pops up here and there. Does you know? Does a few episodes. Every once in a while, I think he was on um, uh, L.A. Oh, he he's L.A. to Vegas. Did that in twenty eighteen. He did uh, voice work in Ca- the new Castlevania on Netflix. Um, I know he's doing voice work for Teen Titans Go and for Briar Patch. Um, or no, yeah, he's he's working on Briar Patch. But we're going to see him come back, I believe, in American Gods. Uh, I'm hoping he'll come back in season three. Yeah, he does have a season three credit. Okay, sweet. So yeah, fortunately we'll we'll get him back in that because he is fucking amazing. Um, other than that, I think that that's the one big thing is that he's doing that and a, a lot of voice work and other stuff. You know, because oh man, just his career has been stellar. And I know for all of our gamer fans out there, he does the voice of the replacer in Call of Duty Black Ops Four. Sure does. That is, I mean, he's just, he's done so much and I look forward to the more work he's going to be putting out. So just keep putting out stuff. We will definitely keep watching it. Definitely. Happy birthday, Peter. We love Happy you. birthday, Peter. Happy birthday, dude. <laughs> dude. Dude, I, he's, he's dude. He's just, uh, just 67 years old and still fucking killing it. Like, yo, we, we, we take the money you have on you. We call it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do Peter Stormer's voice. I just remember the line. <laughs> you sounded like some like skinny fucking. Well, he was kind of, he was the, the skinny German, German. nihilist. <laughs> he's like Swedish, but he plays the best German. <laughs> We cut off your Johnson. <laughs> oh, he just walks in in the full body latex suit, drops a uh, drops a fucking ferret in the tub. <laughs> oh, nice marmot. <laughs> oh God, I love the dude to death. Oh, he yeah, Alex, if you you've got to check it out. Fucking American Gods, he is so awesome. Yeah, I'll start that up. What's it on? Um, stars. Okay, yeah. I think that's on yeah, Star Wars. I want to make sure. Um, yes, for the okay. Star Wars Network. Okay, cool. They got I I two free trial. I could probably binge the fucking two seasons. Oh, yeah, they've got they've got two seasons up. So awesome. All right. Well, that closes out another episode of Week in Horror. Thank you so much to all our listeners. We could not do this without you. Uh, go check us out. Weekinhorror.net. Lots of cool stuff there. You can check out our bios. You can contact us from there. Uh, we also have a deal where you throw us your email address and we will put you in a permanent drawing for a mystery shirt every month. Uh, we won't spam your email or anything like that. Uh, just sign you up for the list and get your name into the drawing. Let us know. Shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail.com with any feedback. We love feedback, good and bad. Comments, questions. If we fucked up, let us know. We'll correct stuff. You know, just interact with us. We love it when you guys email us. I know JL's totally swamped, but Eugene could probably use some friends. All by myself. 
Hey, if you like what we're doing over here, uh, you can help us out at patreon.com slash weekendhorror. We've got everything from a $1 tier. Get your name in there. Uh, we'll shout your name out uh, all the way up to, I believe, what's our highest? $20? Our highest is, uh, I believe it's 20 Yeah. $20, $20 deal. So something in there for everybody, you know, if you can, help us out. If you can't, just listen and helps us out a ton. Uh with our with our uh, Patreon, you also get our bloodbath and our after dark, our bloodbath where we pit two whore icons against each other, and you are uh, JL beats the shit out of me and Eugene over and over again in a debate to see <laughs> he's going down this time. He's going. I'm ready. <laughs> God, I hope so, man. Yeah. Somebody's got to take him down. <laughs> he's sitting up there on his high fucking horse, <laughs> fucking Ichabod Crane up there. <laughs> God. And then our after dark where we take our monthly, we have a, a guest on a special guest every month and uh, we sit down with them after the show and get a little intimate with them and uh, ask them questions, get their view on the horror industry, where it's going, what they like, what they don't like, a little bit about themselves and their careers. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Week in Horror for our daily splatter, a little, little bit of trivia, a little knowledge every day. Uh, and then, uh, we have our YouTube channel up, which is something that's totally insane. Thank you so much to everybody that's subscribed to that channel already. If you haven't go check us out, you can listen to us there. Uh, we'll put up a new episode every week on there and we will be doing our season finale live over the YouTube channel. You can check us out, uh, come interact with us. We'll be doing some giveaways on that. So check us out. September 16th, September 16th. Yes. We got to make sure that's right this time. September 16th, check us out. Be on there. Live streaming, trivia, giveaways. It's going to be a lot of fun. We might fuck up. It might go really well. Who knows? Be there for the experience, though. Uh, you can go onto our website, which I mentioned before, weekendhorror.net. We've got merch on there now. Uh, I don't. Have we, got the, have we got a magnet up yet? I haven't made the magnet yet. I've been busy. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> I cool. will no, make dude. the magnet, I promise. <laughs> We've got uh, a t-shirt up there with the season one artwork. We've got a mug, a coffee mug, that I am actually going to order that tonight because I want one of those. I'm ac- I've actually, a- it's actually been requested by one of our listeners that we, try to, that we do a coffee mug with the season one artwork on it. Uh, see, I was thinking that too. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, well then maybe maybe I'll wait because I think that one would be cool. I'll get both. Fuck it, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, you get a sticker on there too, which I was reading the sticker the the description on it. It sounds like it's really fucking sticky, so I might get one for the the uh, window on my truck. But yeah, check us out. Go check out our merch. Support us, please, please. <laughs> it's just a dollar for one dollar. You can feed a fucking starving podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep feeding uh, you this bullshit every week so thank you so much guys I'm Alex I'm Jane. and I'm Eugene we will see you all next week and as always stay scared